The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The dead of time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Exciting news before we hop into this. Uh, I am part of a Facebook group that connects various Potter pods so that we can all interact with each other. It was started by the amazing Fanatical Fix and where to find them. And they are getting a vendor booth at LeakyCon. Now, I already got a ticket to LeakyCon because, as a lot of you know, my husband's in the military and I knew he was deploying. And I was under the impression that he was going to be leaving in june or july and so i was like oh perfect he'll leave i'll be sad and i'll go to leaky con there's a chance that he will be leaving the weekend of leaky con or maybe the week after or the week before or sometime around then so i don't know if i'll be able to go to leaky con which is really sad but wonderful wonderful fanatical fix and where to find them has offered to provide space for other Potter Pods to have merchandise either for sale or to give away so that if we can't be there, you can at least pick up a decal or you can get one of our business cards. And so we have opted to do that. So we will be having our business cards there, TBD, if we are going to have decals there. But, you know, we figure if you're dropping hundreds of dollars on a con ticket, then you know, maybe, maybe you deserve one of our decals and maybe it'll get us out there a little more, but, um, keep your fingers crossed that the army gets it. I'm not going to say that because the army might listen to this, but pray that the army gives us an answer. Can I say it? Cause I'm not connected to them in any way. Yeah. Tell them to get their stick out their butt. Ish. S <laughs> H uh, star thingy T asterisk. And by the way, I totally know that you people know where the aliens are, so there. <laughs> yes, that is true. We they do they do know. Um, hashtag. And that's them when cheeks. the file gets started on me again. <laughs> <laughs> again, I already burned yours once, almost twice. But then you, you remember that time when I it. said that in front of your dad, and he got that really serious face, and he scared me, and he was like, "Yeah, there is a file." I'm like, "No, there isn't." He like gave me that like stern like, "Yes, there is." I, I was in the military too, and I'm like, "You are the Coast Guard, Muggle. You don't know where the aliens are." <laughs> Plot twist: the Coast Guard actually does know because everyone thinks they're nothing. But also, I can't say anything. My husband was in the Coast Guard first, so. Anyway, um, yeah, like, what do you guys? I want to be there because that's like going to be your last words to be on your deathbed. <laughs> what I know where the aliens no, are. No, and you're going to yeah. tell me where uh, they are. <laughs> I have nothing to live for anymore. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, then just pull the plug. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sorry. So, um, back to LeakyCon. <laughs> Barring deployment debacles, 
we will do our best to be there. And if we are not there, we will have some stuff there that you guys can pick up so that you can spread the love to us and all the other Potter Pods, including, I believe, Goblet of Wine, a Goblet of Wine, I think is one of them. Um, House of Black is another one that we've mentioned before. And of course, the wonderful, wonderful Fanatical Fix and where to find them. So without further ado, that was the longest intro I think we have ever done for this Wait, show. Wait, I got one more thing, but it's related to LeakyCon. Oh. Their post that they posted today about how come Hagrid's hut doesn't have a bathroom started a debate with myself. Why doesn't Hagrid's hut have a bathroom? Where does Hagrid go to the bathroom? So one of my friends was like, maybe he goes outside. I mean, he needs the fertilizer for those big pumpkins. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a little bit weird, <laughs> but okay. Then I was like, maybe he has I... beak fly into the castle and he goes in the castle. So where does Hagrid go to the bathroom? If anybody has any suggestions, let us know. I cannot unsee Hagrid poop fertilizer. <laughs> Pumpkins. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no. Okay, that is slightly disturbing. I mean, I would assume he's half giant. Maybe he just goes in the Forbidden Forest and yeah, he has a forbidden bathroom. That's what Audrey said bathroom. too, but then I was like... But he's around children, so that's a little bit weird if they, like, see him or Harry, Ron, and Hermione, like, happen to want to go visit him, and he's taking <gasps> a dump, and then she's, like, Forbidden Forest, but I'm like, that's weird. That's why it's the Forbidden Forest. That's why you can't go in. It's not because of the centaurs. It's because it's where Hagrid shits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome, people. You are welcome. This is why you listen to this shit with headphones. <laughs> Yes, right. Hagrid poops in the... Okay, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alrighty. So, now that we've been recording for a solid 15 minutes, um, <clears throat> Kat, would you like to give us last week's recap? Yes, because I actually know. So, haters gonna hate Taylor Swift. Also, also, let's note that this is going to be the second time she's done this recap because we did record this once before and then the audio magically disappeared because somebody apparently cast a bombarda or something and destroyed Kat's audio from an hour and 20 minutes to two minutes. So, <laughs> so she has heard this chapter before, but also, as we all know, her memory sucks. So it'll be like reading it for the first time anyway. I hate you. <laughs> you love. Wait, hold on. I need to prepare. And what episode of this is sponsored by Dr. Peppy? Oh my god. The doctor is in. Okay, so they're in Diagon Alley, and Sirius or some other guy knocks over Hermione and she goes, Snape. Yeah, Snape. Jerk. Anyways, so he knocks her down and then she like says are you serious and he's like have we met before and she's like oh crap oh crap oh crap and then Hermione's mind goes and she goes I said are you serious like seriously like Grey's Anatomy like seriously so that anyways so they start talking to him with her brother and um then we meet uh his mom who is her wow burger yeah it sounds like you're saying Wahlburger in Boston accent. Who wants a Wahlburger? <laughs> it's like that stupid Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Self-pock. Pock your car. 
Jesus. And unpack your cat. Anyway. And unpack your cat. So yeah. continue. Anyways. So we meet Walburga, which is the worst name ever. And she's really, really mean. She is a hi. And you don't know what that means, but Claire does, and that's fine. Anyways. There is a picture of a panda. It is waving. And above <laughs> it says, See you next Tuesday. And Kat and I used to go, Hi. Word. But we don't say the word anymore because we don't need to see the word. All we have to do is wave our hand and go, Hi. And the second word is uh, assumed. So now you're in on the joke. Congratulations also to any of my family members who ever heard me say hi. I'm sorry. Yeah. So anyways, so she's really, 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 really mean. And that was like an interaction. And she said the meanest thing in the whole entire world about Hufflepuffs. And I was like, don't you come from my house, you muggle. Yeah. Also, I think the line you're referring to may happen in this chapter, but I'm excited to see your reaction again. Actually, also, Shia, it is because about- I just looked over and the sentence is right there. <laughs> Dang it, mother trucker. Anyway. Shy is so excited. To- so y- it's fine. You've already reacted once, but you can react again and tell us how you really feel. Okay. We are not. Shia literally reached out. to. She was like, I just realized the Hufflepuff comment is coming. How does Kat handle it? And I'm like. Not well. Not well. We had some words. (laughs) But those words are gone. Those words will happen again in about T minus two minutes. So, are we good? Yes, we are good. Yeah, so, um, oh, and the other cool thing was that Hermione got her wand, which is actually the sister wand to her future wand, which also happens to be the sister wand to a one Lily Evans wand. So, very exciting. Um, Also... Maya getting knocked over by Snape is the reason why James and Sirius don't like Snape. And we also got to see the beautiful me- moment in which James Potter and Sirius Black meet and become best friends, like, immediately. Kind of like the same way Kat and I met, except it was with a mean boy who ripped out somebody's tooth, gave somebody the Heimlich without needing it, and called me a stupid head, and that's why we broke up. I have no memory of this. It's fine. It sticks in my memory, clearly, because he ended up getting kicked out of preschool for being too aggressive and then eventually ended up in juvie. So. Well, it can't be any had to pick him as a child. Somebody who we talked about that ended up in prison. That was an article. But anyways. Oh, God. Yeah, former. Former acquaintance. You read that, right? Friend. I, oh, my God. Right. Anyway. I don't know. It was. Ugh. Awful. Right. We come from a strange place, people. Strange place. It's like Wonderland meets Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but with a lot more drugs and nudity. <laughs> so, uh... September 1st, <laughs> 1971! <laughs> <clears throat> Chapter 20, Adopting Strays. September 1st, 1971. Maya quickly followed James through the barrier that separated platforms 9 and 10. The twins eased their way through the stone wall, both grinning as they pushed their carts. James, taller than Maya's, as it held a large large cage with one of the family birds, a small owl with a speckled brown and white wings by the name of Hector. Hector? Hector. Hector! I kind of hope Hector's a horned owl, just because I like the alliteration. Yeah, he's legit. I feel like H alliterations don't work because it's not so much like a sound as it is like a breath. Like, Hector. But if it's like a WH, it works. Like, who are you? But like, who, what? Because then you can do like the whipped cream thing. Like, cool whip. 
That that's what it is. Cool whip. All right, say cool. Cool. Say whip. Whip. Say cool whip. Cool whip. <laughs> kind of reminds me of like a southern gentleman. Well, I do declare. Mark me. I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> Five more sleeps, guys. Oh my god. Anyway. No, really. Five more sleeps until Outlander premiere. Ay, lassie. Anyway, um. Though Maya had been offered the chance to bring her own familiar to Hogwarts, she had declined. A part of her was unwilling to bond with another creature so soon after leaving, the same way she had done with her beloved Crookshanks. Smoke billowed out of the engine of the train. The familiar sight of the giant scarlet steam engine calmed Maya's frazzled nerves, nerves that had been building since Tilly had woken her that morning. It was a familiar kind of anxiety, one that made her think of her original first trip to King's Cross and the anticipation of attending Hogwarts for the first time. Despite knowing exactly what would happen when she stepped foot on the train that would take her to school, she was not lingering on memories of the battle-worn castle. She had spent the past month as Maya Potter, the daughter of Charles and Doria Potter, the twin sister of James Potter, and it was practically effortless to get lost in her new life. The small family rarely left the comfort of the manor. Instead, they spent the late mornings reading together, or separately, in the massive library, uh that rivaled that of the Black family library at Grimmauld Place. Afternoons were spent in the orchard, garden, or the small clearing that James was determined to eventually convert into a proper Quidditch field, where he practiced flying, pestering his sister to join him. She always refused. Friendly reminder, Hermione, terrified of flying. Does not like it. Will not fly on brooms, did not flying on the Thestral, hated flying on Buckbeak. She's not a big fan of heights. Evenings were spent enjoying dinner together, listening to their parents tell stories, playing exploding snap or wizard's chess, and, eventually, rushing off to bed to escape the grip of the overbearing house elf who had apparently made a game of trying to tuck the young Potter children into the beds. While James normally enjoyed being doted upon, he had seen the amused and proud expression on his sister's face when she had properly evaded Tilly, and he quickly decided to join in on the fun, much to Tilly's annoyance. It was only the nights that made Maya's life difficult. She had refused to let her parents know about her nightmares, not wanting to frighten them or let them see how utterly broken she was. Thankfully, James was always there, sneaking into her room and crawling into her bed an hour or two after they separated into their own suites. He would take her hand in his own, utter promises of protection, and the siblings would fall soundlessly asleep. Life was strangely good here, and Maya was adjusting well reading Remus's letter each night before bed to remind herself of the rules. Live your life. Enjoy your life. Daria looked to her children, tears welling in her eyes. James immediately showed his soft side by hugging his mother tightly around the waist and not making a fuss as she affectionately tried to flatten down his black hair that was standing up in several different directions in the back. Be sure to write to us after the sorting. When you get sorted into Gryffindor, Charles added with a chuckle. Daria stared at her husband. Or Slytherin. Anywhere's just fine. Both Maya and James chuckled at the way their mother crossed her arms over her chest before mumbling something derogatory under her breath that ended with, as if children of mine would be Hufflepuffs. What's wrong with Hufflepuffs, lady? What do you got against <laughs> Hufflepuffs? We got the good grass. What are you doing? What does Gryffindor have? <laughs> Nothing. What's the matter with you? What's we're, the matter for you? We're by the kitchen. Your kids will eat. 
and get stoned. Yeah, and we are loyal AF, so at least we'll be a friend for life so you can suck it. To be fair, the Slytherins generally stick pretty close together. Yeah, but they're jerks. Hey, Shia's not a jerk. Well, she's the exception to the rule. There's always an exception to the rule. Yeah. Just like my husband, the jock Ravenclaw. But then again, I've only watched the movie, so my only experience with the Slytherin is Draco. So what do you want me to do? Yeah, no, the Slytherins in the books are pretty terrible as well, so. Charles patted James on the shoulder once before bringing the boy into a tight hug. After releasing his son, he reached a long arm out for his daughter, pulling her in as well. Go on, then. You'll want a good seat. Hey, isn't that serious? James asked. Maya turned out of Charles's embrace to follow her brother, spotting the Black family off to the side, consisting of Walberga Black, a pouting Regulus, and a tall man with a fixed sneer on his face who could only be Orion Black, and an utterly annoyed, impatient-looking Sirius, who caught her eye and broke into a grin as they passed him on the platform. Maya started to smile until she made eye contact with Walberga. Let's head inside, Jamie. Escaping the older witch's utter contempt was an absolute necessity. Sirius sighed as he watched his friends disappear onto the train, wishing he could make a run for it and escape his parents. Do not disgrace our family, Sirius, his mother threatened. You have an attitude problem and a habit of flocking to ill-bred children. She was doubtlessly referring to the Potters, whom she had great fun lecturing Sirius about after meeting them in Diagon Alley. He had mentioned that he'd stopped to help, offering Maya his handkerchief when he saw her knee bleeding. Any other pure-blood girl, and Sirius might have been praised for his efforts, but his mother had been furious. She ended up incinerating the handkerchief and using a painful scouring charm on his hands, muttering about how one never knew the type of filth that blood traders might mingle with. Luckily, when you're sorted into Slytherin, you won't have to interact with that kind of filth and muck as often. Sirius groaned impatiently. I'm going to miss the train if I don't go now. Please don't go, Regulus whispered. I'll write to you every week, Reggie, Sirius promised, seeing the tense look in his brother was giving him. They were as close as they could be, given their home life, though it seemed as though their parents were intent on creating animosity between them, as though they could hold Regulus over Sirius's head in an attempt to control him. He wished them luck with that. Regulus frowned. I want to go too. Don't be ridiculous, my precious boy. Sirius's mother beamed and pulled Regulus closer to her. You have a whole year with just me, without distracting influences, she said, narrowing her eyes at Sirius once more. Sirius rolled his eyes. Subtle. What did you say? She snapped at him. I said, he tried to think of a lie. What rhymes with subtle? Bubble. Bubble? He let out a disappointed sigh. Yeah, I'll admit, I wasn't even trying there. Get on the train before I change my mind and send you to Durmstrang, she said through clenched teeth. Though he knew she had no issues with publicly disciplining him, the platform was overly crowded, and she was clearly more interested in leaving as quickly as possible. Reggie? Father? Walburga, it's been great, 
Sirius saluted them all with a smirk on his face as he ducked away and rushed towards the door of the train, tugging his trunk behind him. When he made his way aboard, he smiled as he ran into Maya and James, both having watched his farewell to his family from an open window. You weren't really going to leave without me, were you? It's not my fault that you lingered behind to kiss your mum, Maya teased. Ouch, kitten has claws, Sirius smiled broadly at her. Maya beamed. Hurry up, you two, James called after them, before all the compartments get taken up. You boys go find one. I'm going to watch the train leave, Maya said with a smile. Girls, James rolled his eyes. So bloody sentimental. He laughed, and Sirius joined him. The two made their way down the aisle, eagerly searching for an empty compartment. Boys, Maya muttered affectionately, watching as her brother and Sirius disappeared into the crowded aisle. Misty-eyed, she watched the window as the train pulled out of the station as the clock struck eleven. Her new parents waved from the platform and she let out a shaky breath as she was carried away from the anchors of her comfort in this world. Closing her eyes, she remembered that soon she would be at Hogwarts, her safe place, the place where she had grown and blossomed within magic, her true home. Maya summoned her inner Gryffindor courage and headed down the aisle to search for Sirius and James. As she walked, something tugged inside of her, as though an invisible string were pulling her gaze to the side. It felt similar to something, uh... <clears throat> it felt similar to the something missing she noticed when she was around Sirius. She had originally assumed it was the magic she knew existed between them, but might have been fractured during her time travel. Now, however, she was forced to rethink her theory as a similar emptiness moved her gaze on a small compartment at the front of the train, where a pale, thin boy with sandy blonde hair sat with his nose stuck in a book. She raised a brow as she studied him, unsure as to why her magic was reaching out, needily. The boy's nose twitched, and she watched him sniff the air. Immediately, a confused expression painted his face as his soft green eyes turned and peered up expectantly at her. She took notice that, unlike most of the other students, the boy was already wearing black Hogwarts robes. They looked slightly big on him, covering him from head to foot, save for his hands and the small expansive neck where Maya could see the faint outline of what looked to be a fresh scar. Maya let out a soft gasp. Remus. <gasps> gasp. Dun, dun, dun. There we go. She turned her head away from him, stifling her anger as she moved past his compartment, breathing heavily. This boy was the reason she was here in the first place. The reason she had been torn from her own time and thrust into the past without her permission. The reason she was an 11-year-old again and forced to create a new life and a new identity. Maya wanted to walk into that compartment and hit him. But she remembered the confused expression on the boy's face and the scar on his neck. This was not the Remus that had tricked her into going into the past. This was just a boy. A boy who, from the looks of it, was feeling very ill. Why does he have a scar on his neck? He's a werewolf. He beats himself up every full moon. He, like, scratches himself and attacks himself. Wait, so he was even a werewolf as a kid? I thought he only got that way, like, later on in life. Oh. He got bit when he was, like, two or four. Oh. So, backstory on Remus Lupin, his dad used to be a big... Uh, proponent of werewolf regulation and extermination and in retaliation Fenrir Greyback who is one of the big baddies in the werewolf world decided to retaliate against uh 
John Lupin. I think his was his name John Lupin? No. Crap, I can't remember what his name was. It comes up later. But uh, to get back at his dad, the uh, Fenrir Greyback bit his son and made his son a werewolf. Yeah. Fucking monster. Okay. So. <sighs> Maya suddenly realized that the full moon was due in just three days' time. Damn. He was probably in a lot of pain, feeling sick and on edge, and now he had to deal with the stress of his first trip to Hogwarts. This is an italics and an outtake from the letter. <clears throat> and hopefully, very soon, you will come across a very lonely boy who is terrified to go to Hogwarts and is desperate for some understanding friends. Her frown deepened. Remus was her friend. No matter what he had done, she had always trusted and admired him. He had been the best teacher she'd ever had the privilege of being mentored by, and he was always, always there for her. She, in turn, had tried to be there for him, helping Tonks with his transformations and the healing that he needed afterwards. At his worst moments, like when he doubted his ability to be a good father, it had always been Hermione to bring him friendly comfort and raise his self-esteem. She couldn't turn her back on him now. With a take-charge attitude, Maya turned back to Remus's compartment, poked her head inside the door, and smiled at him. "'Hello,' she said brightly. Remus jumped at the sudden noise and stared back at her with wide eyes. He clutched his book tightly to his chest, as though he were trying to create a physical barrier between them. "'Um, hello? Me? Hello? M me?' he stuttered, a very confused expression on his face. "'I, I mean, hello. Um, hi.' "'Are you waiting on your friends to join you?' Maya asked sweetly, trying to ignore the way he shied from her. Remus frowned. "'No.' Maya tried to hold back her emotions. She had known he would be alone and would not have been there with friends, but she could not very well let him know that. "'So you're here alone?' she asked, stepping further into the compartment and watching closely as he pressed his back tightly against the window, trying to distance himself more. D -d "'Do you—' He stammered again, his breath heavy as he cl she closed in on him. I mean, yeah, I I'm alone. That's fine, though, he insisted quickly. I I'm okay. I mean, d did you need this compartment? She watched him carefully, noticing that his gaze flickered between her and the door, looking like he wanted to make a hasty retreat. No, my brother's getting us one in the back, she answered, and then pointed to the book he clutched tightly. What book are you reading? Hogwarts, uh, History. Merlin, that's my favorite, she grinned and sat down right beside him, watching as he took in a sharp breath and stiffened. She took a moment to let him adjust to her presence, realizing that Remus had probably been terrified at this point to be around at other people, especially without his parents to look after him. She recalled an older Remus telling her how afraid he had been of hurting others, or even worse, infecting them. It explained everything about this terrified-looking, lonely boy in front of her. But the older Remus had implied in his letter that his younger self was in desperate need of understanding friends, and his letter was her guide and her rules, and she would obey it. Maya smiled over at him, gesturing to the book in his hands, watching as he very slowly let his guard down a little. My favorite, too. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, wrong voice. My favorite, too. He gave her a nervous smile. I was really excited to go, so I wanted to read up. I didn't think I'd ever be able to attend. Why not? You're a wizard, aren't you? She asked. 
I, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, my parents weren't sure if they wanted to send me somewhere else is all. Maya understood why he lied to her and did not push the issue any further. Instead, she beamed at him, offering a friendly smile. Well, lucky us, then. He raised a brow as though he didn't understand the word. Lucky? Yeah, you're coming to Hogwarts, and now we're going to be friends. Friends? The word sounded painful as it left his lips. She did her best to hide the expression of grief that threatened to escape her. Yes, Remus was her friend, and would be her friend again. She needed him, just as he very desperately needed her. You know who she kind of reminds me of? You know Ellie in Up, where she runs into Carl, and she's like, we're going to be friends, and we're going to go on adventures. And he's like, wow, this girl's weird, but okay. That's what she reminds me of. She's like, you're going to be my friend, and we're going to do this, this, and this, and it's going to be fun. Swear it. Swear it. Cross your heart. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what she reminds me of right now. And a little bit of, like, Wolf and Elf, where we're going to go ice skating and make snow angels, and then we're going to snuggle. <laughs> and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Wrong movie, but yes. It's donkey. Yeah, I know. All right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> bad, bad ADHD. Back to recording. I just hit my hand on my <laughs> recording booth and it hurt. Uh, oh. <laughs> she did her best to hide the expression of grief. 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 What is grief? There are seven stages <sighs> of grief. The first one is... <laughs> What is it? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance? Dada with a B in the middle? That's how I'm going to be after this podcast ends. Depressed? Well, denying, angry, bargaining with you to try and do another one. Depressed when you say yes or no, either way, because it's a lot of work. But And then acceptance of this is my fate now. Well, like they say in Brave, you gotta accept your fate. Or whatever she says. What an, what an underrated movie. Anyway. She did her best to hide the expression of grief that threatened to escape her. Yes, Remus was her friend and would be her friend again. She needed him, just as he very desperately needed her. Eventually, she held a hand out to him that he gaped at with wide eyes. I'm Maya Potter. Remus Lupin, he said without touching her, still staring at her extended hand. You know, I don't have germs. I know, I mean... He glanced up at her face and then back down at her hand, and she could almost see him calculating the risks. Any other child would have probably thought him to be completely strange or possibly have been offended by his reaction, but Maya knew better, which was also why she refused to back down. Shake the bloody hand, Remus, she urged him silently. After a moment, he looked up at her and she tried to express to him the safety of the situation. Slowly, he took her hand and she smiled as though she had just received an outstanding on a test. Come on, Remus, she said, tugging on him like Tilly was constantly doing to her. Remus looked panicked, but he didn't struggle against her. Where, where are we going? To join up with my brother and our friend. She watched as he hesitated, lingering in the door to the compartment that had, up until she arrived, been his safe and secluded place. She waited patiently, communicating with her stance that she was not letting up. If you come sit with me, I'll buy us all a feast off of the trolley, Maya said, resorting to simple bribery. You like chocolate frogs? With a mischievous grin, she watched as the invisible barrier he had put up between them fall down with a silent crash. 
As they made their way to the back of the train, she could hear loud laughter coming out of a compartment near the end of the right side of the aisle. And then a very familiar voice shouted out, See ya, Snivellus! Maya frowned. Oh, no. Something wrong? Remus asked. At least two things, she sighed in frustration as she witnessed a young Severus Snape bolt from the compartment door, a sneer on his face as he stormed down the aisle. Severus made his way past Maya and Remus, shouting, Move! Maya jumped back, not wanting him to push her over again as he had done in Diagon Alley. A small, red-haired girl passed Maya and Remus, tossing them an apologetic look before following after the boy, calling out, Sev, wait up! Maya let out a growl of frustration and made her way to the compartment door, throwing it open and staring down at a laughing James and Sirius. What did you do? Hazel eyes bright with delight. James smiled up at his sister. We got a compartment. That's not what I meant. Were you mean to the other two students that just came out of here? We didn't do anything, Sirius defended immediately. That greasy git started it. Yeah, he called us stupid. And the girl... Maya asked, eyes narrowed at her brother. Probably just another Slytherin like that kid, James shrugged. Maya rolled her eyes. Oh, Jamie, if only you knew what you had just done. You know he's the one that pushed you in Diagon Alley, right? Sirius growled. Yeah, I'm not polite to blokes that shove girls. She sighed in frustration, knowing that their intentions had at least originated from a semi-good-natured place, though she was not pleased with how they'd gone about it. Thank you for defending me, I suppose. However, I'm perfectly capable of taking care of myself, she added stubbornly, as she moved completely into the compartment, reaching back to grip Remus's hands and drag him inside with her, taking a seat across from James and Sirius and pulling Remus down beside her. By the way, this is my new friend, Remus. James Potter, James smiled and held out his hand. Remus stared at it much the same way he had stared at Maya's when she had introduced herself, but this time he did not waste much time in shaking it before another hand was held out to him. Sirius Black. Remus Lupin, he offered with a small smile. What house do you want then, Remus? James asked quickly. Gryffindor, Remus stated without skipping a beat. James grinned. Good. Hey, Maya, we want to hear something funny? Sirius might end up in Slytherin. Sirius scoffed and held his head high, determination on his face. Not if I can help it. Mum was in Slytherin, Maya pointed out. Really? Sirius balked. But your mum seemed so... nice. She's a black, like your mum, Maya pointed out. Your mum is nothing like my mum, Sirius said, quick to defend the honor of one Daria Potter. At least, I hope not, for your sakes. James cocked his head. Your mum called my mum Aunt Doria. That makes us family. Yeah? All pure blood families are related somehow if you go back far enough, Maya explained, shifting her book bag to the floor. I never cared to look too closely at... Oh, fuck me, I lost my spot. And I'm falling out of my chair. You good? You following? I'm following. You're not following. Don't give me that look. Don't raise your eyebrows. Are you having a stroke? Nah, I'm just making faces to see how you'll react. 
I've never cared to look too hard at my family tree, Sirius said with a grimace. It crisscrosses too often. Maya gave him a knowing smile. She had seen the black family tapestry with her own eyes, and Sirius was by no means exaggerating. There never was a tree with more intertwined branches. We're second cousins, I think, she said, pointing to herself, James, and Sirius. However, considering what Sirius said about the crisscrosses in the family tree, there's a chance it could be once removed. Maybe twice. I'd have to research a little, just to be sure. She always talked like this, Sirius chuckled. James grinned, poking Maya's leg with his foot, laughing when she shoved him off. It gets better the further she is away from a library or bookshop. Move it, first years. A shout came from outside the compartment, and all four inside turned to look at the window as a tall, blonde boy shoved his way into view. Salazar, if I knew what house they belonged in, I'd already be taking away points, the boy drawled. Slytherin. Maya's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank. Well, she loves it alliteration. My... Yeah. Maya's eyes widened at the sight. There before her stood the mirror image of a 15-year-old Draco Malfoy recognizable smirk on his lips, and two large boys flanking him on either side, also very familiar. For a second, she felt incredibly out of place before she realized that the blonde boy in question was not, in fact, Draco, but his father, Lucius Malfoy, and the cronies at his side must have been Crab Senior and Goyle Senior. Why is Crab Senior important? Oh my god. Sorry, I just realized something. Anyways, um, because... Oh my god, you told me it's because something in the the second part of the, the last movie where he kills, yes, yes, yeah, that, yeah, something. Translation, um, at the end of book one, in the fight against Voldemort and in the Forbidden Forest, Hermione tries to cast, a, uh, blah, 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 tries to cast an Avada Kedavra at Lord Voldemort, and Lord Voldemort, in his ever loving leadership way just pulls crab senior in front of him like human shield and crab dies yes so technically hermione killed crab senior in the future yes well in her past his future yes the future in the past the past in the future her future is the past the poison cusco's poison the poison for cusco yes yes or as i heard uh the guy that played uh neville you know how he got hot <sighs> so he posted a picture by the hogwarts castle by the theme park yes. do you see that and he's like a storm is uh -huh. coming harry and tom felton commented i used to bully him and he goes <laughs> and then he goes long bottom to strong bottom and i'm like <laughs> that should I be on a fucking love their friendship i because matthew god what is his last name I don't know. But anyway, Matthew and Tom Felton are apparently, like, really good friends. Like, they're, well, at least on Instagram. Because I've seen, it was either Neville trying to give Tom a Gryffindor backpack or Tom trying to give Matthew a Slytherin backpack. But it was just, they're adorable and I love them. If you don't know what we're talking about, go on Instagram and check out how cute they yeah, are. Yeah, which is why when Claire someday has a baby, I'm going to get her a Hufflepuff onesie. <laughs> Get out of my house. I'm not in your house. I've never been to your house. I'm just going to like pick up my computer and like throw it out a window. No, I'm going to get oh. her a onesie, him or her a onesie, and it's going to say, my auntie is a Hufflepuff. And that's fine. You know who I just, 
I think I figured out who the ultimate Hufflepuff is. Like the real life human equivalent of the perfect Hufflepuff. Mr. Rogers. Well, I haven't seen the movie, but okay. I almost cried my eyes out. Also, it's really confusing the way they shot it, but I really liked it. Okay. Anyway, moving forward. Back to dead of time. (laughs) Moving forward. I think that's going to be our thing. Yeah, because we can't say anyway, Harry Potter. Yeah, can't say it. Can't say anyway, Harry Potter. Right. Um, Maya's eyes widened at the sight. There is Lucius with Crab Senior and Goyle Senior. She, she left a sharp pain. She left? Felt, you dyslexic individual. Who do you worship, dog? Yep. Nice. She felt a sharp pain and pressure in her chest at the sight of Crab. Though she had watched as Lucius Malfoy had been struck down by the wand of his own son, seeing Crab was more difficult as it was her own wayward curse that had killed the man during the final battle in 1998. The first and only time the words Avada Kedavra had left her mouth. She was distracted from her remorseful thoughts as Lucius Malfoy turned his bullying attention towards a boy in front of him. Prefect coming through out of my way! he said, as a very small first year tried to walk past him. He shoved the boy violently, and the first year collided with the doorframe of the compartment, sinking quickly to the ground, nearly being trampled by Crab and Goyle in the process. Oh, shut up, you frizzless haired butthead. Cat, telling it like it is. Well, it's like they have, like, no humidity in the wizarding world, because he has no flyaways, no nothing. It's just... Except Hermione Flawless. looks like she got into, like, a thing, but Jesus. Yeah, she looks like she, dry, she dries her hair by sticking a fork in a socket, but that's fine. Um, James and Sirius stood quickly, scowls on their face at the scene, and Maya jumped from her seat to reach the round-faced boy. How awful! Are you all right? She asked, grabbing his hand and helping him to his feet. Yes, thank you, he muddled, a sad frown on his face. Muddled. Mumbled. Whatever. Oh, look who's talking! That's karma for calling out my learning disability and how i read that's why i listen it's really hard yeah same what an arse maya growled eyes narrowed at the back of lucius malfoy's head as he walked away from them just because he's a prefect he thinks he can go about shoving people i love that word arse sorry i just watched p.s i love you last night kiss mine in english (laughs) the first time i ever heard the word arse I'm going to see if you can place the movie. Come on, Dover. Come on. Come on, Dover. Move your blooming arse. Yeah, that's probably the first time I heard it, too. I love that. God bless Audrey Hepburn and my All I'm lady. saying is if I ever met anybody who was going to own a racehorse, I was like, please name it Dover so I can come and scream. <laughs> Classic. Sirius glared after Lucius, tapping his wand in his palm threateningly, despite not yet knowing how to properly use it. He thinks he can do whatever he wants because he's a Malfoy. You know that, Pratt? Remus spoke up. Met him over the summer. He's going to be betrothed to my cousin. You sure you're okay? Maya asked the boy. He nodded, favoring his shoulder. It would certainly be bruised the following day. Come on in, James insisted. He took the seat opposite Sirius, sandwiching Maya between himself and Remus. Thanks for being nice to me. James grinned and began another round of introductions. Of course, mate. I'm James. Sirius. Remus. Maya. She smiled at the boy. 
I, I'm Peter, he said with a kindly, hopeful expression on his face. Wait, who's Peter? Peter Pettigrew. Oh, God, yeah, okay, sorry. I just blacked out there for a second. I was like, what? Who is Peter? Jesus. Scavers. And Maya brought him into the fucking fold. Awful. No! Maya's smile disappeared with what felt like all of the blood from her face and her stomach lurched. She turned her face away from the boy, trying to control the anger as cold dread flooded through her body. She tried to focus on something to ground her. Sirius and James were were already deep in discussion with one another. Remus had reopened his book, and Peter sat there quietly, so close to Maya that she wanted to scream. She closed her eyes and tried to think of Remus and his letter, her guide, and her rules. Every action we take is a causation of destiny. Maya silently ground her teeth together. Though she felt proud to have been the reason to introduce James to Sirius and Remus, she was also the catalyst that brought Peter Pettigrew into the company of the future marauders. She swallowed her guilt and wondered if anyone would notice if she hexed the boy to her left into oblivion. Remus had told her in his letter that she could not change anything, that there were those who were irredeemable, She knew that one such person was sitting right beside her. A voice distracted her from her bitter thoughts. Anything want anything from the trolley? She jumped up, desperate to get away from Peter. I'll get it. My treat. Sirius grinned at her. Careful. If you spoil us too early, you'll never get rid of us. Like feeding a lost dog, Maya chuckled, and her smile brightened when Sirius let out a familiar barking laugh soothing the open wound that meeting Pettigrew had caused. Can I get two boxes of Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans and five... She began, figuring she could not leave out Peter without appearing rude and suspicious. But then she remembered Remus was probably feeling sick due to the approaching moon. No, six chocolate frogs. Get me some pumpkin pasties, Maya, James begged her. Can I have a cauldron cake? Sirius added excitedly. Maya rolled her eyes. And what they said. With her arms full of treats, Maya made her way to sit between Sirius and James, wriggling her tiny hips and forcing both boys to make room for her. She subconsciously needed to feel surrounded by them both as she looked across at Peter Pettigrew, who was making himself comfortable next to Remus. Though she had been very content to sit beside the young werewolf, being so near to the treacherous rat had left her feeling sick inside, as though her magic were violently trying to repel him. Somehow, feeling cocooned between her brother and Sirius erased the sickness. How you feeling, Smalls? My back hurts. And I'm hungry. I know your back hurts. (laughs) Everything hurts and I'm dying. Help me, I'm poor. That's right. I've fallen and I can't get up. Story of my life, but it could be worse. You could have How? (laughs) <laughs> my life has already just, been worse there's nothing worse than what i'm going in like it okay there is okay fine friend. there is worse things but it you know, you know what that reminds me of remember the stamps.com commercial like when it first came out they were like there's nothing worse than standing in line at the post office and i'm like really because i'm pretty sure cancer's worse <laughs> like i don't know falling in a pit of spikes getting stung by a lionfish going into kidney failure 
having any sort of cancer, having somebody accidentally cut off a finger. Like there's a lot of things getting, having boiling water poured on your hand. That is worse than standing in line at the post office. Like insensitive bastards. (laughs) Also fun fact, stamps.com is never going to sponsor this podcast. (laughs) That's fine. I remember when I tried to buy stamps for my mom once and they're like, where's your ID? And I'm like, I need an ID to buy stamps. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? That's dumb. It was dumb. What are you doing? Your mad eye moody impression? No, my eye is super lazy today and I can't get it to focus. Also, it never looks like it's focused because my camera is over yonder and my screen is over yonder. So I keep looking like my eye is super lazy and I think it's just because I'm looking to the side. Anyway, they crashed from their sugar high a few hours later. Maya fell into a quiet slumber, grateful for James and Syria sitting beside her to chase away the nightmares. Instead of memories of war playing behind her closed eyes, she dreamt of Hogwarts and of Harry and Ron. When her eyes opened hours later, she blinked the sleep away and surveyed the surroundings with an amused smile on her face. James, to her left, had snuggled into her shoulder, his messy black hair tickling the side of her cheek as he softly snored. Sirius, however, had collapsed on her lap, his long black locks strewn all over her thighs, his legs splayed out towards the end of the bench. Maya smiled down at him affectionately and ran her fingers through his hair without a thought as to how strange it might appear. You seem pretty close to Remus after only just meeting him. Remus. (laughs) Remus commented. (laughs) That should be like a gay fan fiction of like Remus and Ron getting together. They can be Ronis. I do not need Ron and Remus slash. Thank you very much. That is now worse than... I don't... That's up there with Drapple, which is Draco and an apple, or the giant squid and Hogwarts. You people are oh, yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least mine's hey, realistic. Hey. We don't judge pairings here. I mean, we kind of judge the giant squid in the castle. But <laughs> as long as Draco's not shoving the apple anywhere, I think it's... Oh, God. Oh, I hope that's not a thing. So the castle is sending in the Kraken, huh? The Kraken's putting it in the castle's Kraken. (laughs) (sighs) He fits in that chamber. Jesus. Maya glanced up with a smile. I guess I have a habit of adopting strays. I heard that. Sirius mumbled sleepily, snuggling further into her lap. Maya looked down at him, wondering how he was so easily affectionate with Walburga as a mother. She could hardly imagine the woman being the type to hug her children. She has a nanny. If you're awake. (laughs) That says you are kind, you is smart, you is important. She's got a creature, and that's about it. Well, creature does not say you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. (laughs) He said, you dumb, you stupid, get out of my face. (laughs) If y'all haven't seen The Help, that is like the greatest movie ever made. Anyway. One oh, of them. I love the hell. Eat my shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. If you're awake, why are you still on my lap? This stray dog enjoys having his head scratched. Remus reached up without brown looking. Chicken, brown cow. Without looking, took her hand and put it back on his head. When she laughed and swatted him gently, he grabbed her free hand and laced his fingers with hers. 
Maya blushed, shocked, but continued to run her fingers through his hair, remembering how an older Sirius would shift into Padfoot and crawl next to her, head against her thighs as she pet his soft black fur. Apparently, the man had always been something of a lapdog, and someone who clearly did not know the meaning of personal space. Cat's doing wax on, wax off, and it's really distracting. Yeah, but then I was doing this at first because I look like a rocket sucking robot in the camera because my arms are... Yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) I'm going to ignore the fact that your head is on my sister's lap because there are more important things to take care of right now. James said with a yawn as he sat up and rubbed the sleep out of his eyes. Like what? Maya wondered, still running her fingers through Sirius's hair. Remus? Peter? James addressed them with a very intense stare. I have one very important question for you both, and the future of our friendship hangs in the balance here. Remus sat back with a concerned look on his face as though James were just about to ask if he was a werewolf. Beside him, Peter swallowed hard. James's voice was completely serious when he asked, Which Quidditch team do you support? Maya rolled his eyes. Ugh. Puddlemere United, Remus answered immediately with a big smile. You like Quidditch? Maya stared at him with shocked eyes, and Remus smiled at her and shrugged. She teasingly scowled at him. Traitor. I've always liked the foul Miss Falcons. Falmouth Falcons, Peter answered, but then quickly added, But I could like Puddlemere. Good answer, Sirius said. Or, sorry, good answer, Sirius said, his head still buried in Maya's lap, eyes closed. What about the Chudley Cannons? Maya asked with a mischievous smirk. What? James yelled, and Sirius, echoing James, pushed off, pushed off of her lap. Are you out of your mind? They haven't won a League Cup since, like, 1892, Sirius shouted and narrowed his eyes. Kansas City hadn't been in the Super Bowl in 50 years and they won, so anything is possible. If you just believe. If you just believe. And when a hero comes along. Sorry. I was listening (laughs) to Mariah Carey. It's fine. Maya burst into laughter as she stood. If it's that easy to rile you all up, this is going to be a fun year. We better get our robes on. I'll leave so you boys can change. She caught a brief look of relief on Remus's face that she assumed had been because he was already wearing his robes. (sighs) And would not have to explain to his new friends about whatever scars covered his body. Just as she moved to open the door to the compartment, a voice echoed through the train. We will be reaching Hogwarts in five minutes' time. Please leave your luggage on the train. It will be taken to the school separately. (laughs) (laughs) And Kat's pretending to be a stewardess. Have you ever seen View from the Top? It's like one of Gwyneth Paltrow's first movies. It is the stupidest movie, but it's about flight attendants. And she does this thing where it's like, two exits, two exits, two exits. It's like, it's the dumbest movie ever, but it's worth watching at least once in life anyway. Noted. She turned back once more at the compartment full of boys, watching as Sirius and James struggled to find their robes, whilst Remus turned his attention quietly back to his book. Peter, however, was smiling up at her, and Maya could not help but hate him for it. She wondered if she treated the boy kindly enough. Would he change? If she fostered just a bit of courage in him, would he stand up to the Dark Lord and not betray his friends? No. 
Not only had Remus's letter said that she would not be able to change anything, but a sinking feeling in her gut told her on instinct not to trust him. No, Maya would not be overly kind to the boy who had grown to the traitorous man. It was then that she remembered her first ride on the Hogwarts Express, when she had accidentally created a bit of resentment between herself and Ron. This time, she decided to do it on purpose. Pausing in the door, she stared at Peter and muttered, You've got dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? A few minutes later, the train slowed right down and finally stopped. People pushed their way towards the door and out into the tiny, dark platform. A lamp came bobbing over the heads of the students, and Maya heard a familiar voice. First years, first years, over here! Her smile brightened at the sight of Hagrid. Come on, follow me any more first years. Mind your step now. First years, follow me! Maya reached for her boys, tugging them along into row to keep them close. She purposely kept Peter at bay as she moved ahead, linking her arm with James as the students began walking behind the half-giant. Hagrid led them through the darkness, separating the first years from the rest of the students who were entering large carriages drawn by thestrals. "'You'll get your first sight of Hogwarts in a sec,' he called over his shoulder. "'Just round the bend here.' The narrow path had opened suddenly onto the edge of the great black lake. Parched atop a high mountain on the other side, its windows sparkling in the starry sky, was a vast castle with many turrets and towers. "'No more than four to a boat!' Haggard said, pointing to the fleet of little boats sitting in the water by the shore. James and Sirius raced to get onto a boat first, and James grinned as he won, claiming himself captain in the process. Maya reached for Remus's hand as he politely held it uh, to help her climb in, following swiftly behind her. Sorry, Pete. Sirius looked back at the boy with a shrug. We'll see you on the other side of the lake, mate. Peter nodded, and Maya could not help but feel incredibly satisfied. Her satisfaction did not last long, however, as the boat surged forward across the lake and both Sirius and James began rocking back and forth. James, Charles Potter, if I fall into this lake and get eaten by a giant squid, I will haunt you forever, Maya screamed, gripping the side of the boat. James laughed. Aw, Maya, we know we'd save, you know, aw, Maya, you know we'd save you if you fell in, Sirius grinned. Yeah, I'm sure one of us knows how to swim. Heads down! Everyone ducked obediently, and the little boats carried them through a curtain of ivy that hid a wide opening in the cliff face. They moved along a dark tunnel, which appeared to be taking them right underneath the castle, until they reached a kind of underground harbor, where they clambered out onto the rocks and pebbles. See? You're fine, James smiled at Maya, who had accepted Remus's hand to maintain her balance as she climbed out of the boat. If she had not been so annoyed with her brother and Sirius, she would have taken great pleasure in seeing Remus opening up to her so easily, taking her hand without hesitation when she reached on instinct for him. They scrambled up a passageway in the rock following the light of Hagrid's lamp. Coming out at last onto smooth, damp grass, they walked up a flight of stone steps and crowded around a huge oak front door. Hagrid raised a giant fist and knocked three times on the castle door. Maya took a deep breath as the doors began to open. It's good to be home. And right about now, Cat's audio cuts out. So, sorry to lose all of her reactions to the end of this chapter. It essentially was as per usual. She's enjoying the story. She likes reading it. She is especially excited for the brown chicken brown cow. 
But until that day comes, she will happily continue to listen and quote movies with me. Now, on to our Patreon thank yous. We did record for a fairly long time at this point. We're at an hour and 25, almost 26. So we're going to go ahead and get on with the thank yous to our Patreons. Our Patreons. You guys are amazing. You are keeping us up and running. And as of today, Hannah Beth has received her first payment for editing the first three episodes of season two for January. And we will now be able to continue paying her every month for editing our episodes. Yay! So for our new people, and again, sometimes I say your names twice. I don't do it on purpose. I For those of you who didn't get your name twice, I'm sorry, I just have terrible memory, and we're recording a little ahead, so I can't double check and see who I already thanked. So, we are going to thank our two new stags, Kirsten Wilnow and Nicole Oshove de Aguero, and our new wolf, Christy Harper. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you joining our Patreon family, and we look forward to sharing more AMA stuff with you. We'd also like to thank our Fox contributors. Now, if you let me just pull that list up. Our Foxes are Rachel Gowen. I will always fuck that name up, and I'm sorry. Thank you, Rachel, Carissa Horton, Krista, Ryder, Olivia Amoroso, Adela Planca, Ashley Thurman, Claire Luciano, Brittany Trable, Ashley Anstrom, Jillian Foles, Martina, Elise Wolfson, Miranda Eskew, Amanda Zercher, Sarah Grisham, Sophie Segator, and Kelly. Thank you, everybody, so, 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 so much. We appreciate everything you guys do for us and your continued support. We love you all. Thank you. As always, a big shout out to our fans in Australia as you continue to recover from these horrific wildfires. To our fans in America, we reach out to you as you continue to recover from the state of our government in general. Um, (laughs) For those of you who feel personally victimized by the Oscars, well, you know you expect anyway um we love you all thank you everyone for being wonderful wonderful fans see you guys next time thank you for listening to another episode of fire whiskey and honey a special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story and thank you to blue ivy creations for creating our logo and hannah beth for editing our episode you can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Facebook group.
for this podcast yesterday who said, I don't know you girl, but I love you. I just want to tell you if you are listening and I hope you are that I had a really bad day yesterday and seeing that made me so happy and made me feel so much better. So your timing- Oh my God, did you cry? Was, yes, like her timing was absolutely perfect. And I don't know you girl either, but I love you too. And I commented on it, thank you with a heart because telling other people I don't know that I love them is weird to me still, but I love you, man. Like that, you have no idea how much I appreciated that. I needed that. So thank you. I'm sorry if I made your name, whatever, but thank you so much. For those of you who haven't picked up on it yet, Kat has the emotional range of a teaspoon. She's the kind of person where like, if you're crying, she'll pat you on the back with a broom that she's holding with like the tips of her fingers from as far away as she can possibly be because she does not deal with emotion well. But we would like to thank, yeah, it's Adri Audrey Castillo. Thank you so much. We love you. And her exact status was, uh, OMG, I just discovered this. I'm on chapter 1.3 and you're amazingly good. The voices, OMG, the voices, Mrs. Weasley. Duh, you're welcome. And, (laughs) uh... I can't wait for the smutty parts. Cat, I love you, girl. I don't know you, but I love you. We love you, too. Yes, and I, I, ex- I especially love you, and I appreciate your perfect timing on that because I needed somebody to, like, make me feel better. So thank you, kind stranger. <laughs> also, that reminds me that I meant to thank Olivia Amoroso for saying, I just wanted to say that I got to hear my name on the podcast and actually cried in the shower. So now my boyfriend thinks I'm a dork, but it's worth it to support these lovely people. Number one, thank you for your support. Number two, I love the fact that you told us you cried in the shower. It's a little weird that you're listening to this in the shower, but like, don't judge. We don't judge. That's literally in our thing. We don't judge if you don't listen with headphones and we don't judge if you cry about us saying your name on the radio in the shower. So... I mean, I'm sorry I made you cry and that your boyfriend thinks you're a dork, but, like, yay! (laughs) Yeah, I cry in the shower all the time, but that's for different reasons. But anyways. Yeah. 